You into that? I love talking to people about the most random things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Welcome to the world of podcasting. <laughs> That's all I watch is podcasting. Really? So, yeah. Joe all right. Rogan. All, all right. That. Let's just go into it. This okay. is the, they, they're going to read your bio. They're going to know who they're, they're listening and watching. So My bio is so boring. Your bio is boring? Why? It's just, you know, it's. It, I feel like it's so vanilla. It's just like, oh, Anna. She sells real estate. She's good at it. We all fight that. The end. <laughs> you know? We all we all fight that. It's it's like um I like writing my own bio. Maybe mm-hmm. because it's there's a little bit of ego there or just because I've lived longer on this earth or just things are weird. Like mm-hmm. life has been really odd. Yeah. Not bad or good sometimes, just kinda like in the middle. Uh-huh. Really odd. <laughs> That's the best word to describe life. Odd. Yeah. Not even odd. Yeah, odd is odd. Yeah, if someone else wrote my bio, that'd be so strange. I wanted that though. When we created this show and put this site up, I I well, I probably sent out ten invitations. Very uh non ego driven yeah. requests. And I got like eight back and they were really interesting. Some were f- overly flattering and fluffy and some were pretty cutting and right to the point, but nothing resonated. No, and you know what? I felt the same way when they were doing my article with the real uh, producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone else wrote my bio. I was like, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I am, but I can tell that they don't know me and I don't know who they're talking about. So, that's some other person there. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> like the article. Okay, we'll talk about that. The article was just, just real beaver cleaver. And I, I it just wasn't me. I don't beaver know. cleaver? That's how I like Like just, sterile? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was sterile, but it was just boring. Okay. You know, I try not to think I'm boring. But the way I, I was... really got lucky because so many people say that. So many people in our field say, uh-huh. you know, I'm so honored that real producers wanted to do that because, I mean, there's how many agents are there? To get in that magazine oh, is kind of a thing, totally right? totally appreciative. Yeah, and I felt the same way. Yeah. I was in, I think, a couple months after you, and I thought they nailed mine. I was like, I don't know who the writer was. Uh-huh. The photographer was great. I don't know who the writer was, but, yeah. man, I was like... I couldn't write any better myself. <laughs> that was exactly what. But all the other agents I speak to who have been in there have been disappointed, um, I guess, with, with not the photos, but the writing, you know, yeah. like the write-up or whatever. And you only have so much space. I mean, yeah. the writing, whoever wrote it is great at writing. Right. It's just how do you emulate someone's essence. They don't know you. When they, you, I've never saw them in person. Right. You know, I send you, I'm not a writer, and I just send you. So, Well, I got, I got really deep with my stuff. You know, I, I felt maybe mine was too heavy for Esoteric. that. Esoteric. Yeah, maybe it was too heavy for a real producer's magazine. They're like, relax, Anna. You know, this isn't, you know. Yeah, it was cool though. <laughs> All right, so let's so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, this pandemic. I know we, you know it's funny. Um, I don't feel like I'm beating a dead horse because I love hearing just different takes from each guest that comes in mm-hmm. to hear about it. Yeah. But, uh you know, you we do the same thing for a living. Um, uh, you, I think, have a little more vibrance and a little more energy than me because I'm getting older. But uh, we 
we do the same. We're both realtors. We're in real estate. We do. You're actually a broker, so you're you're involved in even the mechanics of it more than I. On the personal end of it, watching and feeling empathy for your clients, because I know we've talked off camera, but that's been tough to watch. Would you not agree? Oh, yeah. Depending on, you know, the whole spectrum of clientele that you work with. You mm -hmm. know, if I'm working with someone who doesn't have a job anymore because of, you know, alluding to the pandemic or someone who doesn't have their health anymore because of the pandemic. When it first started, I had seven deals on the table that were under contract. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I lost them all. Um, you lost them all? Yeah. They all went south? Um, not all of them. We'll just say seven I lost. I had more in the pipeline that I okay. I, I was able to drag on and, and successfully execute after we were allowed <laughs> to work again. But I had um, a house under contract. It was an older couple. Okay. And an investor was purchasing it okay. from Italy. And he passed because of the virus. Yeah, it hit Italy bad. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like a at the beginning of everything. So Before it was really here? Yeah. So fear was high. We were shut down, but I remember watching the numbers. This was when the world was stopped. Right. And I was sitting on my couch, and I was just watching the news, and I think 700 people died in Italy that day because of corona. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Like the, I do. The beginning. Oh, yeah. I remember the beginning. Terrified everybody. Everybody, I don't care what anybody says, even your most staunch um, anti-pandemic person, you can't tell me the first week, 10 days, everybody wasn't just gort. Oh, you'd have to be a robot to not feel like, it, we talked about this, it was like 9-11, that right. feeling where uh -huh. just everything is frozen. Mm -hmm. We don't know which way to move yet because we don't understand what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, when schools were shutting down, that freaked me out. I was like, why in the world are they shut down a school? Right. You know, and then everything just. Right. And it, but, but conversely to 9-11 and why I think this is much more, uh, much, much more taxing on the public psyche is that in 9-11, after about a week, I think we got our sea legs. And, you know, it wasn't about political leadership or anything. I just think we got our sea legs. We recognized what had happened. Mm -hmm. All right, they took their best shot. This little band of, of people took their best shot. We're still standing. Now it's our turn. Mm -hmm. You know, whether yeah. that played out to our liking or not doesn't matter. It's still that we kind of stood tall. There was a feeling of unity, wouldn't you agree? I was just going to say that word. You know, mm -hmm. not that either pain was less or greater it was two different, you know, types of episodes, but at least in with September 11th, there was a unity amongst us. I feel mm -hmm. the pandemic is kind of dividing us, mm -hmm. depending, you know, do you care about someone else? Are you wearing a mask or, you know, whether, whether or not you believe it's real or how you treat the public? It, it's a very, it's causing a division, I feel almost, depending on how you stand. It's, well, we have a caustic society now, too, which is playing into that. I think social media has really contributed negatively. Yeah, social media too. wasn't as big as, or there prevalent. Wasn't any, there wasn't any. Powerful. Think, I don't even think MySpace was even created in 01. I don't think it oh, was. One, I think. It didn't come to like 03 or 04, I don't think. I was on the computer. I was AIM. I was chatting. <laughs> yeah, I would just chat, like pretext. Like you would just AIM. chat to people. Were we like 12 then? 11. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And I'd be like, Oh my god, did you hear what happened? Uh, OMG. Uh, OMG. Yeah. Yeah. I was already running my own business at that time, wondering like why did I like for two years, why did I get in why did I do this? Mm -hmm. Why did I give up corporate America and I go out on my own and a year later the world collapses for a week. Yeah. And everything came roaring back. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is a really um 
Would you agree it's tough because we just don't know from day in to day out? You can't believe shit you hear on television, no, right? No. Nothing. Nothing. Everyone has an agenda. Yes. What I post. There's no news. I mean, it, there's nothing pure. There's nothing real. Right. Everyone's getting paid from which advertiser. So Someone true. wants a political agenda. So you true. know, there's an election coming up. Yeah. So I don't watch the news. Yeah, I, mean, I've, I can't. I've stopped. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Even my friends who post things, who even I know they're good people and out of the goodness of their heart, they want to bring awareness and all that. But me just reading it and, and absorbing it. Ingesting it, it. I can't. It's just, I, I'm going to go stare outside. You know, I can't deal with that. Well, I don't think a lot of good comes from continually ingesting that stuff. It I doesn't. Mean, it just doesn't. I, I, it even, affects me. Well, especially, number one, because we are just not confident of anything of where it's coming from. Mm-mm. Everything is editorialized. There's nothing pure news no. anymore. No, it's a narrative. Well, how mm-hmm. do I want to make you think what I'm saying, you know, what I'm delivering to you? Mm-hmm. So it's already like modified before you read it, and then how you take it is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think so? You know, our age difference twenty plus years. Do you feel that in your lifetime you've been on Earth long enough to see the following? I feel from my experience that news has been co-opted by Hollywood or entertainment. News is now entertainment in that they want viewers badly to the point reaction yeah there's no question well i think that's the that's the the result but they Mm -hmm. want that viewer and i can remember you wouldn't have recollection of this but like the 88 late 80s early 90s tabloid television kind of started you know shows like inside edition and the current affair and then you had you had had some of the the news type shows like um nbc and abc and cbs would run those whatever the law and order everything was kind of ripped from the headlines and was supposed to mirror what we were reading on the news mm-hmm. and they, they took our they took our news they took our real life circumstances and they i hate to say this now but if you look at it look back at it some can make the argument they weaponized it against us mm. they turned it into entertainment as opposed to just you know movies that are fictional and stories it could take us out of reality take yes. us away from reality yeah we don't want to indulge in reality right no i've had enough of it you know yeah like when i watch a movie i want it to be mindless i don't want to mm-hmm. f- i watch it to distract me from the overwhelming realness that i'm dealing with right now it used to be that way yeah it did it, i think it did but i i think the networks wanted to turn the news into entertainment and they did it successfully they've mm-hmm. conditioned people to watch so much reality reality tv whatever that is yeah but they've they've conditioned us to i mean cnn fox msnbc they make like a titillating kind of like shock and awe thing i, I think fox news goes breaking news and you hear that that noise Boom! Like oh, every like a casino. Time, every time yeah. they come, right? Every time yeah. they come back from a from a commercial break. Yeah. Breaking news, you know, Trump tied his shoe on the white on the White House lawn. <laughs> it's like, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember. I remember one time uh, President Obama's dog got loose. One of the two dogs. Yeah, two dogs. One. <laughs> really? There was a dog that got loose on the lawn, and, and like, they were showing in the Secret Service agent like hunting for the dog. Uh huh. It was. And this is breaking news. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> well, even, and that's my issue with whichever president, president is sitting, you know. Yeah, it's irrelevant. The press that comes in their press room when the, when the White House makes an address and they, they have their open form where the news can ask any question. And 
the questions that they ask are so unimportant. Huh? They're trying to create like a got you moment. No question. That's what, what journalism is today. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't like I know you're trying to like, you know, maybe box President Trump intellectually or, or box Obama. Doesn't matter which one it is. Ha- it's been happening. Yeah, but no it's question. just it's trying to make you look dumb so they can take that sound bite and play it over and over and over and over again. They're literally not helping me, the general public, to gain any more knowledge or find anything out. Their questions are so stupid. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, too, uh, society's created this celebrity journalist now, so they're all looking to make fame for themselves. Yeah. They want that That's exchange. currency. Absolutely. The, the bigger the following, you know. Let's talk about that. Yeah. The currency. higher your currency, the higher the value you can get into places because now you have something to offer people an audience. Or Yes, an audience. Influence. And, and, or even power. Or that concept yeah. of having, to me, it's fake fame. When I see yeah. influencers using that currency or striving only for that that identity online that mm-hmm. is fake fame to me yeah i don't that's know if it's not, fake it's, it's different it's not cheap well, it's different yeah i look at it as fake because it's not achieved it's not traditional and it's no substance that's it that's yeah. the word yeah i mean i guess in reality it's in in today's vernacular that is fame mm-hmm. but i just it doesn't it's not based on anything of substance. It's not based on achievement. If I, no. I view real achievement as creating something of value, the acting, Talent. music, right? Bingo, Intellect. The right word. Something that can't be purchased. I can purchase followers. Mm-hmm. And for All day long. And that, to someone else, is, is somewhat of a clout. Like, it holds weight. Like, oh, well, you have this many followers. Like, if I can get on your story, like, I'm going to get some followers from that. That's how people think. The younger generation, not even younger, but some people think. Right. You know, some influencers will say, hey, I got 25,000 followers. Can I get a free meal at your restaurant? I'll shout you out. That's mm-hmm. worth that's worth a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Some people in the millions, I know people who have 10 million followers right. and they charge $60,000 for an advertisement or a brand to post their product on their story for 24 hours. Right. That holds weight. What's valuable in today's society now? There is the, that, and there's a lot of legitimacy to that. In that, that's the new advertising sure. medium, and, 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 and that's I've how had, you quantify. Absolutely, you know. And advertising executives, traditional advertising executives, have been turned on their head because there's there's no traditional advertising really left. You'll see billboards, and mm-hmm. there are commercials on TV, but the way they're constructed, um, how everything has to be like like slam to the brain in like 20 seconds the message mm-hmm. has to get across in 20 seconds and that's and we're the anti-soundbite on this show because we are enjoying long form relaxed conversations but the public is yearning for that and they're proving it based on the success of this format mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know so that's uh, i don't know i, I it's it's a little deep but there's got to be more to life than having your senses attacked all the time yeah it's, it's overwhelming. When there's too much stimuli around me, I can only speak for myself. It, it, it makes me want to shut down, and I need to just get away from it. Can you recognize when that happens? Mm-hmm. Can you actually, is there a point where you can handle it, and then boom, you're done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not saying that I have a mental breakdown, but I know when to walk away. Like yesterday was a very high stimuli day. Mm-hmm. Just because I worked, I started probably at 8, but I was with a different person probably every other, every other hour. And that just gets to be too much. And then I'm like, okay, I need to decompress. I'm shutting off my phone. I can't talk about work right now. Mm-hmm. And then that's just like a, a minor example. Mm-hmm. Now, I've pushed the limits. And then it takes me like a day or so. It's like I need to just walk away. But that's just how I work. And I can yeah. recognize that. 
Yeah, so that's good though. It's healthy that you're able to get there. Cause I think yeah. I struggled for a lot of years just working to the point of um, I won't say exhaustion because I'm always exhausted. I'm just, just I just feel like <laughs> I always am. And there's a, there's always mental exhaustion and physical exhaustion. And I, and I don't think when I was younger, the two of them really uh, were identifiable to me. I was just tired. But now I can identify the difference between being physically exhausted but still mentally in my game. Mm -hmm. But when I'm mentally exhausted, I'm out. Yeah. And I don't think it's healthy to even watch television. No. I don't think it's healthy. Music is kind of mindless to a degree, but to listen to a speech or a, or a conversation, even podcasts at some point just is too much. Yeah. And I don't think there was that much awareness back then. I mean, it wasn't there back then. Yeah. But... I feel like, <laughs> I think there's so much more awareness now to take care of that mental health is actual health now. Oh, yeah. We're definitely more aware as a public. Yeah. And it's but then okay. We, but, we, but we just go out and abuse the shit out of it, though. Yeah. Like, it's more, you're more aware that it's a thing. Like, even, I grew up in the 90s. Mental health wasn't really a thing until the late 2000s. But you weren't, in, in the group of the 90s, you weren't holding a phone all the time. No, it was you? wonderful. Yeah. No. I remember those days. Yeah. I, I wanted to. Days. I thought it was so cool. You know, my dad had yeah. like a brick phone. <laughs> I, had a I, pretend, I had a pretend cord phone, you know. But <laughs> I had to connect to the telephone line to get on the internet, you know, in early 2000s. It's, so part of my story is I sold BlackBerry devices in the mid-90s, and I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I'd started, also started a business where the the – had being able to get my email on my waist and respond back right away was crazy good. Mm -hmm. Addicted to that. And I think had it stayed just email, life would be so simpler. Yeah. But putting everything else there, the web and then the invention of social media, it just became so much. Yeah, because that creates another thing. It creates a sense of urgency. And with a sense of urgency, you're tense all the time. And that can affect you negatively in other ways. Like mm -hmm. right now, if my phone lights up, like, shoot, they know I'm available and I'm not answering. Yeah. So they must think that I'm ignoring them. <laughs> and if I'm ignoring them, I'm being negligent. I'm being bad at my job. You know, it's just, but that's like one thought. And the other one's like, hey, I'm living my life. Like, that's another thought. Like, mm -hmm. let me live. There's a lot of free, I think there's a lot of freedom with um, entrepreneurship. And I want to go down that road with you. But, but, but again, talking about, you know, we have a responsibility to ourselves to, uh, there's, there's no one that's going to, structure that life for us it, we need to find that space and that time to not be available mm -hmm. and, it, and it needs to work in your business framework i understand that but we are both in a career that would you not agree that we can work as many hours as we physically can if we want to work 20 out of 24 hours a day the work is there oh yeah the clients are there but mm -hmm. it creates a whole and i don't know how you feel too but for me Every interaction with a client, and and we both probably have our unique ways of handling conversations, but the way we do it is unique, but also special. So I feel like if I'm not at my best, I'm not serving that client real well, and I take that really personal. Mm -hmm. and, but I know that I, I'm not serving them well if I have more clients at that moment and more deals that is, and I know you do a lot of deals, and you have the youth and vibrancy to do it. I hope I still do. At times, but I can get to the point where there's just too much at one time, and mm -hmm. I've got to walk away. Yeah, and you don't want someone to feel offended, like if you can't serve them, like physically cannot or mentally serve them at this moment. Right. So it's like a competition within yourself. Or mm -hmm. if I can just put up the facade, like yes, I'm doing this right now, just so you know, like that's enough 
like for them to hold them off, I can hold them off for one more day. Then I, yeah. then I can go to them. You feel most people that come uh, uh, into our business as new agents, people that join real estate, young agents, whether it's younger, mid, you know, because the great thing about this business is that there are exceptionally wonderful young agents. Mm-hmm. And I say young, younger than me, but from all walks of life, from all age demographics, you can find excellence in yeah. this business. Would you not agree? Yeah. Do you think that at times, though, there are people that come into this sphere, um, and it's not really about education, it's just about the willingness to really want to work. And it's and a lot of the public misconstrues what we do. The assumption is wrong. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but that's, I mean, piggybacking off of what you said earlier, everything's how they portray it as wrong, you know? If, like, what do you mean? Like, if you're saying, like, what we do is wrong, like, are you talking about a stereotype with no, agents that no, were salespeople? No, I just think, no, no. I mean, they have an opinion of what we do. The public, the public, would you not agree that realtors as a whole have not done a tremendous job over the past decades really explaining, number one, what our function is? And number two, the process that how we work with people. Sure. Oh, yeah. But who's going to? digest that who's curious about that i think people have a negative i think that there's a listen we're not at the lawyer level yet but i think there's a lot of negativity when it comes to realtors we all walk around and drive fancy cars and make tons of money and work you know, two hours a day that perception yeah. with some folks is mm-hmm. out there absolutely and we have not done a lot as a uh as i don't know as a group of, of business folks to to combat that. Yeah. Because I, I don't feel, I feel like I'm more of a guide. I'm a real estate guide. Mm-hmm. Someone has not an issue, but a goal that they want to achieve. So mm-hmm. they come to Anna and I consult with them and I tell them how to do it. Right. That's my job. But I guess like you're saying, yeah, that all we do is we, we can work whenever we want. We sleep until noon, drive whatever, you know, that is, I mean, but that's also perpetuated. Sometimes there's people who do that shit. We, well, there's a, well, I don't mind people perpetuating if it's if, if living their lifestyle is perpetuating a stereotype, but they've earned it. It's, it's legitimate, then they have a right to do it. Oh, I find yeah. it very funny that there's a lot of folks perpetuating a lifestyle and it's a big facade. Yeah, that's not helping our industry. Any. No, because they're people, gone a month later. <laughs> yeah, the turnover rate is crazy, but it's like if you're in my way, you know, an agent on the other end can make or break a deal as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it can make or, or ruin someone's end goal yeah, because the other right. agent isn't uh, willing to not i hate to say educated because education is is endless i mean mm-hmm. it doesn't really say mm-hmm. that's irrelevant it's more of a experience and the willingness to come to a solution i okay. think is is key yeah some yeah. people have egos. They beat their chests. And, Bingo. Yeah. I think a level of – in dealing with another uh, person in business, and in our instance oftentimes dealing with the other agent, the other side of the transaction, it's not – I've never viewed it as combative. And I, I was really puzzled when I started uh, many years ago in the business that it seemed to be, why are negotiations combative? Mm-hmm. A lot of – are, um, a lot of agents that have been doing it a long time have you know probably went into the internet age kicking and screaming and they have their own ways mm-hmm. but I got a lot of pushback from that demographic of the agents that have been doing it for 20 30 40 years the ones that always tell you they, they've been doing it for 20 and they make sure they tell you yeah the first time Very weird. they're in yeah it's that's a that's a whole nother <laughs> and I and we both agree because I mean I started uh, late 13 even before me right 2012 wow really yeah 
Okay, so you're a year before. So, yeah. yeah. So, roughly the same time we've been yeah. in, the, in the business. But I came in as a 20, 20 years your senior, and it was fine. But I was amazed at how folks, even younger than myself, who have been doing it for 20 years, were real quick to tell me. <laughs> real like, quick to tell me how, like, almost like that was a badge of honor or that meant something. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, okay. And can I schedule the home inspection now? <laughs> it's so irrelevant. It's so cringy. Like, how are you relating to people when that's how you talk and that's how you explain things? And for some reason in your mind, that's okay to, to tell people that. Like, you don't need my autobiography so you, I can schedule a home inspection. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the assumption. I think they're really taking it on the chin. It, it comes down to human insecurity. And I, yes. I, and I, I never had a problem in this business with it because I kind of expected it because it was that in the prior lives I saw it too when you know, we was a new kid on the block uh, selling musical instruments and the people that had been doing it for 30 years were quick to tell me that the internet was a fraud. You're not going to make it, and you know you're. The, one guy even said to me, who'd been selling uh, instruments for decades, he actually said this to me in 2001, two. He said, "I see you're having some success, is what I hear, but that newfangled interweb thing, don't expect that to last. And when it doesn't last, you're going to be coming to me looking for a job." He said that to me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just here to. I'm here to give you money. I'm here to buy a couple guitars from you. Do you want my money? Yeah. Without the comment. Yes. <laughs> you know, or in spite of the comment, do you want to do commerce? Yeah. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's it, you know, it's it's so amazing. Not everybody approaching you is coming to you uh, through intimidation. You no, know, like, they're looking for some that? type of external validation, which is why they make those comments, and that's more a reflection on them than myself. I don't entertain it. I don't go, oh, good job. You know, I'm just like, and like, I'm kind of, you know, bitchy back, whether it's a guy or a girl. I'm just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I think you can always throw that in there a little bit without <laughs> being so obvious. Yes, you can. You can always get your point across. There, there's been agents that I've met here that it's funny. There's been agents that I was warned about. Warned? When you first get into the business. Uh-huh. You know, people... You know, uh, and and probably because I was a little older too, that they, there was other agents my age that were easier to to tell me, to warn me, about, mm-hmm. to warn me, stay away from this one, or this one's going to do this. And everybody that I was warned about that I've run into has been really great. It's the ones I've discovered on my own, and some of the people that actually did the warning that ended up being nightmares. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> somebody, I'm, I'm this close to calling him out. You know there's what only, I'm saying? There's only one person. Only one? You're in good shape. One agent that I can think of right now, okay. or could be more, that treated me so bad during a time. I was in the hospital, and he was just like relentlessly really? rude oh calling me a novice and really yeah. someone used that word oh yeah he's like your email signature says associate broker but you're a novice meanwhile really? i'm hooked up to two ivs and like yeah he he's from the pittsburgh area yeah. this was before i i switched companies and he wanted to show my listing and i didn't schedule it because i was in the hospital right and right. he just lost his mind that he drove an hour, wasted his time, which I empathize with and I apologize. He was able to get into one side of a duplex. It was a duplex. Mm-hmm. And he just lost his mind. I still mm-hmm. have the text. <laughs> you 
you kept it for a second. Oh, I don't forget because karma <laughs> comes back around. And I'm not a vengeful person. It does. And I, you don't have to be because it always comes back. Always. And it's not, it will unravel because we will meet again. And then I remember a couple months later, I tried to, sh- to uh, schedule a showing on one of his multi units and he wouldn't let me. It was a 48 hour notice. I was on hour, I was 48, uh, 47 hours ahead. Uh huh. And he said, no, it's 48. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so it's comical to a degree and sad, but the bigger picture is in the public. The public generally doesn't know this, but if Ann and I do a deal together, she's representing, let's say, the seller, and I'm representing a buyer. Uh, that I, my client wants to buy the house. Mm-hmm. Her client wants to sell the house. My client has proffered up an, an offer that is acceptable to her client. As far as I'm concerned right now, Anna's my best friend because – she does the same work I do, and we've already gotten through the negotiation part without killing each other or calling each other names, which is a terrible way to do business. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. But ultimately, we get there. Now you're my partner in this deal a thousand percent because yeah. neither one of us get our client to the promised land if we don't work together. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Why is that lost on humanity? I do not understand that at all. I don't know if it's like human nature, if it's instinctual that, you know, I'm now competing with you because I'm on one Yeah, I'm on one side or or just uh, maybe it appeals to a, a flaw in their character. I don't know. If you're trying to work with me, I'm going to try back, you know? Yeah, I, I had a deal early on where it, the, the gentleman was so condescending to the whole process. And I, I'm undefendable. I know that's a big statement to make. And let me qualify that. But if. If you're going to talk about my family or say a lot of vicious things and scream in my face, I'll walk away because it's very unpleasant. But I'm, I'm really undefendable. So I, I have a mission, and your words aren't going to deter me from that mission. So I'll find a way. That's kind of how I live my life. I'll find a way to get to my goal. Yeah. But there's just some agents that really just every aspect is, has to be a negotiation or an interrogation. Like they're trying to win something tangible. I don't know what it is. It's I condescending. Thought, it's, it, I, I don't know. Maybe it's their own ego. I don't yeah. have a better word for it. But it doesn't work though. I mean like that. Okay. So you have this ego and you feel you beat your chest. You know, I, I told her off. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes later, you're, the way you you feed your family, the livelihood of completing a transaction, and most importantly, building a wonderful relationship with your client hope that you hope lasts for decades mm-hmm. is gone you've thrown that out the window because you had to beat your chest at another agent yeah it's and insanity I'm, yeah and i'm not perfect either like i've definitely raised my voice to an agent who didn't close on time mm-hmm. you know and i apologized no, I'm, ne- all human. I'm never too big to no, yeah. i had a rough day that day i reacted that wasn't fair to you you know but let's get it done yeah you know I'm I'm thinking of that. I'm trying to be fair and unbiased, and but I've never <laughs> like I'll say it. I won't sit there and think mm-hmm. about a response and call people names and you know. Yeah, it definitely reflects when you see that that there's something deep rooted going inside that person. That's kinda, too much. I just kind of feel sorry for them. You're angry like that that they why would they act that way? But in the end, it's something you can't understand, and just, and it's just it's not even worth trying to figure it out. It's not my business. No, I'm just waiting. Good to luck with that. Have and... to deal with him again. So he knows who he and there's is. Only, and there's only one. You're in good shape. If there's only one that really bothers you that much, you're in good shape. This was 2018. He and he knows who he is. Maybe he's watching. <laughs> it's just I mean, it's it just it boggles the mind to me. I I, I don't. It's not a competition, and th- and I think that translates in business in general. Yeah. I th- you know, if you're, if if 
because there's always buyers and sellers. That's the essence of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was in corporate sales, the same thing. It was we're trying to get the the promised land. You know, for sale, we'll talk about this for a second. For salespeople, the promised land was also getting your commission check, which was so ass backwards. But that's that's what's taught in sales. Yeah. Instead of taking the client first, because client happiness will drive as much money that you can't even count. Yeah. It all comes from being client-centric. So on that term, when I got in here, I know my license says from the state of Pennsylvania, I'm a real estate salesperson. I am the furthest thing from a salesperson as a realtor. And I know you feel the same way. There's nothing for us to sell. (laughs) We are advocates. We are there to help them our clients make the best decisions possible for themselves mm-hmm. and make it as painless and show them the proper way to get to the promised land. Yeah. Would you not agree with Abs- that? 1,000%. Because I could sell, you know, crap to anybody, but I can't go to sleep feeling like that. You know, I've had, I've had to tell people things that might break a sale or have broken a sale, but they stuck with me and bought something else. And mm-hmm. they told, and they told other people, you know, it's not pushy and has your best interest at hand. You know, she's there to consult, there to guide. I'll walk in and I'll be like, mm, this doesn't feel right to me. But they trust me. Right. And that's why people from who I've never met from across the country, out of state buyers, trust me. Because mm-hmm. they know if I'm involved, I'm going to point out something that I think doesn't look right. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to sleep at night, number one. Yeah, I okay. so there, There's nothing about yeah. this process that we're doing. I'll say, I'll make a statement that goes this way. If you are a real estate agent, and you find yourself selling anything outside of you yourself, mm-hmm. outside of your own character and your own representation, if you're selling anything to that client, really selling them, you're in a wrong business. Yeah. That's not what we're really supposed to be doing in my interpretation. You I know, don't want to do that. You can't sell somebody on a home. No. And if you're trying to do that, you're no better than, than I hate to say this, but you know, the stereotypical poor used car salesperson. Yeah, you know, who's you know, the, unfortunately they fight a stereotype too. But yeah, that's a different stereotype because I have clients who are cars. People, no, no, no. Great. It, it, oh, <laughs> I, yeah, there's uh, tons of them. But yeah. the, the typical you hear from a used car salesman—that's a stereotype. And because it sucks it, that that's, traditionally that's it was, the name of it. Yeah, well, it, it is, it is, it is. But, but that's—I think that's more in, um, reflective of the system of buying a car, which is antiquated and creates that adversarial kind of. I have no idea how um, the car built business works. I will, that's like, I know as much about that as, as I do the, the Mariana Trench. I don't know anything about it. So. I don't think a lot of people know what's going on in, that, in the Mariana Trench either. Same with car sales. I have no I came idea. Out of blue. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about being an entrepreneur for a second. Okay. So you're a successful young entrepreneur in today's society. And we had this pandemic. And I am of the belief, and, and if I'm wrong, I want you to tell me I'm wrong. Give me reasons why I'm wrong. But. I think there are powers that be in this world that aren't aren't even connected politically. They're just people of influence and massive wealth that think that the world's screwed up and needs realigned. And I'm sure there's popular names out there. The names are relevant, too. But I believe that that's the case. And the easiest way to separate a people is to separate them on political lines, which are generally, you would hope, are connected to philosophy, which oftentimes, unfortunately, they're not. Mm Mm-hmm. There's other deep-rooted issues, racism being one of them, uh, uh, misogyny being another one. Really, hate, some deep, well, yeah. There's just a real uh, deep-rooted. They really attack the those deep-rooted parts of the human psyche, but they mm-hmm. try to do it along political lines in terms of what's out in the open. 
this pandemic's a little different. And it's starting to fall under political lines now. Yeah. But early on, I had the feeling, and I shared this with a couple of guests, and I do want to hear your opinion. I thought that the line that was falling was between those who are, are employees of companies and were, either were still receiving their paycheck or was, on, was receiving government money of some kind, and the entrepreneurs whose livelihoods are being destroyed by the policies that are being induced. So you had employees who... We're home and, you know, they want to be safe and they're a little scared mm -hmm. and they don't see any problem with staying home an extra two or three weeks or working from home if it's going to make everybody safer mm -hmm. versus on. And they can't understand why the entrepreneur, although we want a safe life, safe world, too. We also live and die by our ability to earn money. It was a life choice we made. We took the risk. We went and did it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the dividing line was for a while initially oh, yeah. anyways. Would you not agree? Yeah. I definitely felt that. I I don't feel it now as much because I'm allowed to work again, but I did feel that initially. Like I was, it was a change. It was an adjustment I had to make, and it was affecting me. And I was like, I cannot believe that I can't go to work. I'm young, I'm healthy, and I can't go to work because of a virus. Not saying that it's not real and it's not well, because heavy. of someone's decision. Yeah, but the virus is a player in the whole thing. But. Well, and then it here we go with the political, you know, falling it under a political thing. My governor, mm -hmm. one state out of fifty, mm -hmm. decided that my I'm no fan. work was not <laughs> essential. I'm no, I'm not a fan. Yeah, and I, every, I mean, how could I? Yeah, be, um, but he, he you know, he banned it. First of all, it wasn't clear. You know, we have a, a red, yellow, green phase system. Do we? Uh, I guess we do. And uh, he said that my work was non-essential. Housing was non-essential. Ohio never shut down. I live 15 yeah. minutes away from Ohio. Right. And my cousin was able to work and to, able, you know, someone made a good point. There was a nurse, an essential worker. She wrecked her car and she wasn't able to buy a car in PA because it was considered non-essential. So how could the nurse get to work? Wow. And it was the same thing, you know, with people, you know, going through uh, abusive relationships stuck in a house. Now I can't sell them a house or get them an apartment or get them this or, you know, they needed that money to move on to the next part of their life. You know, it's not all mm -hmm. me driving around in a nice car and working two hours a day. You know, I wasn't greedy. I was helping, you know, I help people. Right. No question. And why were, why do you think we were not deemed essential in Pennsylvania. I don't know. I mean, I get it. If if a seller seller makes, I think the seller should have been able to make that call. Well, seller's the boss always. Yeah, always, but not taking away that decision. You know, if someone lives in the house, like, hey, I don't feel comfortable. You bringing strangers into my home. I don't know what's going on with this virus. Please don't show my house. Okay, let me withdraw it all off the market. But for you to change FHA regulations, for you to, you know take away my ability to show an empty house where no one lives so I could sell it and still, you know, I, I don't get a stimulus check. I still have to pay taxes, mm -hmm. you know, and I can't do that. Like, why was I non-essential? And I don't think he ever gave an answer. No, I don't think so either. And, and, and the reason we asked that pointed question for those who are listening that uh, are not in real estate, it sounds a little specific, but just bear with us. We were one state out of 50. So all 49 states had declared that real estate was essential. Even in New York where they the had hotspot. serious issues. Los Angeles, you know, these are they're in states that declared real estate being real estate agents being able to work and 
and even now we're working under a lot of uh, uh, a lot of extraneous regulations and and so forth. Um, yes, it hurt all of us. It did, and we're, we're sore about it. Yes, but it wasn't just us that was being damaged. I don't know how you felt about it, but there was a lot of um, see. The problem was is that there was not a lot of communication. Things were not explained at all. Just decisions were made, and just live with it. So. Like yourself, I had when this went down, I had transactions in play. I had mm-hmm. closings that were scheduled. What do you tell a buyer? What do you tell a seller? This is a big decision for people, and this is where where I really have a hard time understanding how how you, you're dwelling, where you live, what may be the biggest purchase decision for most citizens' home. Right? How is that not an essential part of per, someone's life? That really. I don't know if it's this thing. Of course, we don't need open houses. I get that. Don't want to congregate. We'll do whatever's required. But usually, we're standing around and showing a house with one or two people. Yeah, that's it. I can wear a mask. I can sterilize the doorknobs. Don't touch anything. Wear gloves. Gloves, whatever required. Easy. Very easy. I was going to Giant Eagle and basically like showing one big house. You know what I mean? I was around people. No one's six feet apart. You know, it's, but I'm wearing a mask, like I'm, I'm doing the safety precautions. And mm-hmm. what's the difference if I'm with two people in a house and I'm in John Ewell? What is the well, difference? Right. And nothing seen in that. And I think it, what it is, is why the American people, again, my opinion, why the American people are getting angry. So much tension. Yeah. That's I, all I, I feel. Well, I think it, they're angry because decisions by our so called leadership, terrible, leadership. our elected officials, which are supposed to lead us that's part of being an elected official i don't believe is you elect people but i don't expect to be led yes you do there's yeah. an element of leadership that goes with a democratic process that's why we elect people yes there's a leadership vacuum they're not the, the feds aren't talking to the state level on all fronts and what we're seeing is laws being made or, or sna- sometimes what we appear to be snap judgments on things without explanation mm-hmm and without explanation, if you, you that's almost dictatorial. You can't Completely. tell a group of people to do something, yeah. but not explain for their own benefit why it's happening. They can disagree, but show them rational reasons why, and then yeah. have the debate. Yeah. But don't just do it yeah. with no explanation. Because to me, it's, it seemed like he had a, he had some kind of bent toward the real estate industry. So what's naturally going to happen is people are going to dig into his past and see. You know, who did he fight with in the Realtor Association yeah. and all that nonsense, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't appear that – it appeared that he had some kind of vendetta against what we did for a living. He may not, but that's the appearance he gave. I don't know if he did. I just think it was so negligent and careless. Like, he wasn't thinking or he wasn't – listen, the healthcare workers were number one, absolutely. But there should have been some guidance on – Real estate, which makes up twenty five percent of the economy, which is why two thousand eight was so. Economy doesn't matter to him. Influential, it doesn't. But I'm saying, if real estate was so big in two thousand eight that it caused, you know, stimulus to have to be bailed out, companies had to be bailed out. Now you're telling me in two thousand twenty it doesn't make a difference if it's essential or not in PA. Now you're telling me if it was big back then, you know, now it's not. He didn't care, you know. It's he didn't think or he was. I just thought it was negligence on his part. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's tough, and it's, it's it's I know that you and I go out on a limb even saying this because I'm at a point where the society is so caustic that I don't even want to share my thoughts anymore. Here, I have a podcast. Go figure, right? 
<laughs> the, the, the real ones. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We can talk about shallow <clears throat> things all day. Ha ha, yeah. funny. But right. if, if I tell you how I really feel, you're going to label me that as of you're going to twist it and label it as of being something Of course. People, that's all we do as a society is with labels are the, down, the downfall of the human race. When yeah. you label everything, you pitch it. You know, I was listening to Eric Weinstein last night on a podcast, a great podcast called The Portal. Oh, I love watching him. He's he, cool. I just love watching him because he is articulate and so intelligent that his delivery, and instead of so calm, mm-hmm. he'll make a statement. And I'll go, wow, why couldn't I have come up with that? It's yeah. just so, but it's it's good stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's just good stuff. He made a, a, a statement last night that, that you know, we, <laughs> we as a people, have really got not sheep. Sheep's a terrible analogy. But we've really become followers instead of independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. And our, our our group of independent thinkers in our citizenry has really shrunk. Yeah, everybody's just going with the flow. You know, politics has become a like an NFL league, right? You pick your team and you're rah rah rah, and yeah, you know, it's the Yankees versus the Red Sox, Democrats versus Republicans. We root for our our political party like we root for our baseball team. So what is weird. wrong with us? Yeah. I just feel back to the independent thinker thing is they label you as be- causing a conflict because you're not following what someone else is saying. And that's now you're creating a conflict. Okay, then there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you must be, you know, hate filled or you must be this when really you're just thinking abstractly. We had Rocco Coase on here, uh, and then and then a couple of weeks later, we had um, Dr. Conti on, and they both echoed the same thing to me, and it hit me like a ball-peen hammer in the forehead. We are now a society of extremes. It's demanded of our sphere. Like, we believe these things to be true, and any variation of that is wrong. Is, you're on the other side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the sky's green, the sky's blue, two sides. I don't agree with either one of them, you know, or I just don't care to talk about it. Mm-hmm. If we don't care to talk about it, you know, we're bastardized. If we say no, I think it's a combination of the two, and I'm looking at science. Science yeah. is saying, hey, it depends on the kind of time of day. No, 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 no. You're either in or <laughs> you're, you're out. out. Yeah, you're, you're the either hate Trump or against us. You love Trump. Yep. Where's the, when I say, well, I can't stand him and I think the alternative is just as bad and I just don't like either one of them then you're either marginalized yeah. and you're out of the picture oh you've already lost half the room you know what I mean yeah how do we get there why are people so passionate about stupid shit I don't <laughs> like that's where I don't know I don't know people they hate other people like they know them mm-hmm. it's weird well to wear it as a badge of honor like I love philosophy so some guy said, "Look, you know, all bullshit aside, what are you?" And I said, "Wow." I said, "I, I, I don't. I, I, boy." And so I thought about. It and I said, "I'm probably. I'll admit this. I probably am socially. If you break it down, as socially and um, economic. I socially, I'm probably in the middle because I'm really undecided on so many social issues, which throws me in that mucky middle. Mm-hmm. I'm probably." conservative middle you know moderate conservative on economic issues because I believe in, in the power of capitalism and I don't want unbridled so you say that I don't want unbridled capitalism without regulation where the, the where the where the unfortunate get murdered I don't want that no. I don't want anybody to get hurt I just think that there's better ways to run a government and it happens to be on the capitalistic side if you say that to someone who has a very liberal bent 
some of my friends have even said to me, he goes, you are just so misinformed and so confused and just la 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 la. They already stop you because they don't listen to everything you're saying. No, they don't want to hear it. Or listen to the context. They don't want to Or listen hear to the place it's coming from. And the far right's no better. I can tell you right no. now. But me, me saying I'm a I'm moderate. I got, I got right friends on the right that think, oh my God, you got to go off the fence. You're wishy-washy, you know, but you got to figure out what the hell you believe. Listen, I'm probably more in tune with my own personal philosophy than most of the people around me. Yeah. And I don't say that with ego. I say that with reality. Mm -hmm. I'm more in tune with what I believe because I put more time in thinking about it. Yeah. It just doesn't fit the narrative. Yes. And you know what? I could wake up and feel different, and by 5 p.m., <laughs> I'm thinking something different. And I have You're that allowed. freedom. You're I'm allowed. Human. Yes. And I and that's what I am. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't think we should run from that either. But we're also yeah. in a – also, we are in a – um, would you not agree we are in a uh, a career in a field that works with the public and it's a relationship based uh, business which is makes it beautiful mm -hmm. I, lo I love the fact that that's what we do for a yeah. living but we you know I don't I know you I know you well enough to know you never look to offend and really you could care less what someone's political belief is and that's how I am too yeah. I don't care if you're a communist if you're here buying a house and you're a nice person and you have a great family you're treating me well mm -hmm. and I see you treat your family well I assume you're a pretty good person exactly right? I think the same exact way yeah yeah I don't care if you what what, what your bent is mm -hmm. if you're not pushing it on me yeah why would I be? I we know. have the freedom to think differently. Yeah. And that's what I isn't that love about life. That's, the, that's supposed to be the beauty of America. Yeah. The diversity is supposed to help us, not not pull us apart. And I just, it's a, it, it's a very interesting time to be to be alive and kicking. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a complete right turn on this show because that's what we do all the time. Okay. I appreciate you being so blunt and fair with me on that. Yes. Um, you have an interest in... Uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, in aliens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know we were gonna go there, right? <laughs> aliens. I don't think I have an affinity for aliens. I didn't say affinity, an interest. I said. yeah. Interest. I I mean, you can't say there's not aliens. Well, there you go, right then and there. You're just telling the average person that you, that you believe in aliens. I mean, I hope there's something cooler <laughs> out there than us. It's <laughs> a good way of putting. I mean, this Earth is. It's got to get canceled. We need to start over again. So. Oh, don't say that. Like, wait till my generation's gone <laughs> yeah. or two generations from now, maybe. But I mean, not like green people, but, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, the space is so vast mm -hmm. and ever-expanding, they say. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, I can't say there's not something else light years away. It's like mm -hmm. dreamland at that point. It's like not normal. Do you have trouble rectifying? Because I do. Rectifying whatever uh, belief structure we have, not any particular belief, but just the idea of a greater power, real esoteric stories, biblical stuff, all that. Do you, you have a problem rectifying any of that stuff with science? No, I think I'm okay with them both exist existing. Mm -hmm. I d I'm like, there has to be higher power. There has to be. And then, the, like, by 5 p.m., like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> you know? See, you spend so much time in the car driving, you got too much time to think. That's probably yeah, it depends on question. who I'm listening to, where my head's at that day. You know, something beautiful happens, I'm like, there's a higher power. Uh. And then some shitty happens. I'm like, damn, I knew I was alone on this earth. <laughs> no one gives a shit. Yeah, right. No one's up there looking after me. We're all just frogs, yeah. So. You came on my radio show a couple uh, months ago, which was just nuts because you could only, you only could give us like twenty minutes. You were in between 
um, appointments. <laughs> you dropped by the station, jumped on, and I think by the time by the time you left, I was more confused than when, <laughs> than when she arrived. I know, I know. <laughs> remember I, that? Yeah, I do because I was like the people watching you. I think were mad. That I liked Kanye West or something. Ah, I don't know about that. Yeah, we, we covered everything on that show. Music, <laughs> we, yeah. And also, I think at the time I was making fun of um, Rob Cole at the time had been on a couple weeks earlier. Yeah. Talked, talked about new kids on the block. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were talking about class. You were like, who's your classic rock go to? And I didn't have one. <laughs> And let me let me fix that. Like where okay. we're, I got into Van Halen since yeah, I've been right gone, on, and right I was on. like, Eric would be proud yeah, of this. Yeah, but is it but is it old Van Halen or new Van Halen? Uh, I think it's old. It was like from the seventies. It's old. Yeah, like the first record. They could have quit after the first record. It was good uh, because I got into playing the guitar. Yeah. So I was like, listen, listen. So how did that happen? Like, when did you decide to play I've, guitar? I've always had an interest in playing the electric guitar because I love the sound. I love power chords. Right I on. love right like on. you know. All right. I like punk. I'm more of a punk. Right rock. on. Right on. There's a lot of punk references over here. Yeah, they're they're a little bit older than than Shh. I like. Like, what do you like? Like, I'm obsessed with like Green Day, mm-hmm. Fall Out Boy. That's like my oh, thing. Oh my god, I made guitars for Fall Out Boy. Did you really? Joe Tremaine, yeah, we made him a guitar that had the Louis Vuitton. We designed a guitar that had the Louis Vuitton print on him and ended up getting oh. sued and got it. was just wasn't good. Oh, well, I. <laughs> is he still with yeah. the band that Joe? Yeah, Joe, yeah. He's, he's like the is rhythm. It, is it he's not lead. Is it Tro, Tremaine? I don't know I what his last name is. I'm more like used to call Patrick him, fan. We used to call him Fall Off the Table Boy because his boys used to like to drink. I, and, it, and it was a little different then, but I can't believe we're still relevant. That was like 15, 20 years ago. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. I was I supposed to go to their tour. I liked them. They were different from what I was doing at the time. Yeah. But it was, it was, yeah, it was a different thing. They're different. It's like, a different thing. The way, like, I think their lyrics are pretty different and their beats are real, like, I hate to use the word poppy because I feel like that, that dilutes from oh, their they talent. Have an element of it. Yeah. yeah, but it's just so cool. I love it. But what, so, so you just woke up one day and said, I'm going to play guitar. Um, I said, I'm finally going to pursue it. I've had a guitar. I took lessons when I was 14 and I, I you know, the sound has always been my thing. Like, I love the noise it the makes. The crunch. Yeah, it's just like, just so like, <laughs> I get it. feels great. I get it. And um, quarantine. I was like, you know what? Quarantine did I that to time. a lot of people. I was like, I'm learning it. I have an amp. So I just, I just plug it in. I, you know, I just crank it up and I just jam. And so I had lessons, but I took lessons before quarantine. So pre-quarantine. Okay. So I had enough lessons to get me through to kind of build on it. Right. And then um, he was doing like virtual lessons. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't push anything. My teacher doesn't push anything on me. He's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to learn yeah, like the, the theory of music? Do, do you want to learn this? Do you want to get trained correctly? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I just want to learn, you know, teach me how to play Metallica. Teach uh-huh. me how to play Fall Out Boy. Uh-huh. Teach me how to play Nirvana. It was uh-huh. Smell Like Teen Spirit was really like, yeah. I-, I love that song. Well, it's easy because you don't have to have your guitar in tune. True. I mean, he's, yeah. Kurt Cobain just made it so you could just... Nothing was in Nothing's wrong. Right, right. That's the spirit of punk, right? Nothing was... Yeah. You you can mess it up. You can play it however you want. Uh But I got into, like, their stories, too. Like, Nirvana's story and Metallica's and Motley Crue was really cool. The Dirt. I watched The Dirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, I just... I love that type of music. Mm -hmm. So... So you like 80s rock. I've always liked 80s and 90s, 80s and 90s, and then of course the 2000s. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I barely know the 90s well, but 90, everything went crazy in 2000. Like the genres all got mishmashed and yeah, which is good in a way because yeah. nothing's being labeled. Right. 
but it's hard to determine, you know, I, I just got lost somewhere. I, I became my parents. Like, my parents knew it was cool up in their life, and then once they got to a certain age, they kept listening to that stuff and ignored all the shit I was listening to. Yeah, well, you get set in your ways. You have a taste. It's like food yeah. or wine. Like, yeah. I have a taste for music. This is what I like. This is the era I'm in. Right. You know, I don't like Fall Out Boy's last album yeah. because there's too much EDM or, or synthesizer influence, at least that I could recognize. Mm-hmm. If they had a synth or something like that they, that you couldn't play on a prior album, I was okay with it. But now it's just like so machine. And I, I was like... Fans <sighs> try to evolve and they lose... They lose and they re- then they regain their audience again. Yeah. They try the experiment. I think that's the tapestry of music, and that's you don't want. You know, the only band that never did that, I think, was ACDC. They always sound the same, everything, and it worked for them. God yeah. bless them. Yeah. It worked for them. But most bands will go through those periods of experiment, and some fans like it, some fans hate it. Yeah, most fans hate it. Yeah, I didn't like the last album, but I did go to their Mania tour. I, I did see them then, and they were supposed to have a tour with Green Day, who got me into right. that type of music. Right. American Idiot, that yeah. album, I know it from front to back. That is what kind of inspired <laughs> That's your me. generation, too. Yeah. Just yeah. The, the political, the anger. Like, uh-huh. I remember I wrote the lyrics on my planner in high school, and I got suspended. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say what it was, but it was like, kill the, that yeah, don't yeah, agree. Yeah. And it was yeah, a word yeah, that's yeah, very yeah. bad right now. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote it on my school planner, and they're like, why would you write this hate rhetoric? Yeah. I'm like, it's just a Green Day lyric. Like, I don't know. I support absolutely 100% the concept of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. How can you not? As an American, how can you not? You yeah. can't have all lives matter if black lives don't yeah. matter. You can't have it. Yeah. Um, the problem is the the... The, the protests, which were peaceful protests, that's and, I, and every city where it's been effective as a protest has been extremely powerful, but peaceful. Mm-hmm. I support it. The problem is it gets co-opted by outside groups. I, I honestly believe this. And then, you know, you have a, uh, then the looting happens and you have a young, you have a lot of young and, and probably like, you know, people poor, people just struggling. And they take advantage of that. And the optics looks horrible. It takes away from the message and the, and the protest. Now, we had a protest here in Coriopolis um, a couple of Saturdays ago, which I came down. I would have loved to go over there. A lot of my friends were across the street at the protest. It was peaceful. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a problem in the world. However, I had to stay here in the building because what I had seen from all the other protests is there could be an element that could co-opt the protest and then come and attack the building. Mm. So I spent time... Yeah, here protecting the building in case and that was just disappointing to me I, I, I wanted to be a part it just didn't enable me to do so and that's, that's a shame to me I think that, that it, there's a there's just too many influences at play right now that want to co-opt the message for anything mm-hmm. but especially that message and it's, it's so powerful and it's so weighted that even us discussing it will there's already two sides which is, well, of course is which is strange. Yeah. Um I actually experienced it firsthand. I was I ride my bike all the time on the weekends with my friends downtown Pittsburgh. And this was when it was right after um George George Floyd was murdered. Um all the protests started to start um coming together. And we were riding our bikes and we're like, "Oh my god, it's a protest day. Let's go ride by it." I've never seen a protest. So obviously, you know, we wanted to, to support our fellow, you mm-hmm. know, citizens and our neighbors and our friends. So we go, we drive or we ride through. And it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's there, democracy at work. There was, That's what there it was is. hundreds of people coming together singing Amazing Grace 
in the street, mm-hmm. like who don't know each other. You know, it was, it was, it gave me chills. It was just beautiful and unifying. And I was like, this is how people are supposed to be. You know, we're not supposed to be hateful and mean. And it was such a beautiful moment. And so I put, I recorded it on my phone, like I do everything. And I posted it to my social media. And um, I did, I posted it out of love and I posted it out of support and I posted it. It came from a really good place. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to get attention or have a narrative or sway anybody watching a certain way. I was just posting what I saw. And I put my phone back in my bag and I go on my ride. And by the time I went to my next stop, I pull out my phone, I have notifications and people are reacting to it. And there's people on one side going, Thank you so much for supporting. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, I love that you're there. You know, I, just really just uplifting. And then there was other people messaging me saying, are you looting right now? Are you rioting? Be safe. Be careful. And it was just like, why, why is what I'm posting making people think anything? Mm-hmm. And, and therein lies the problem. And it just, <laughs> I knew it was beautiful. Right. Amen to that. Some people thought it was I was doing a wrong <clears throat> thing or I was on the, the opposite side of them. <clears throat> exactly. And it, it really, it was exactly. just, and then I, you know, it really pissed me off. Okay, so one more detail about what I saw. I was standing next to a young man who was in all, dressed in all black and he was covered and he wasn't really participating, but he did catch my attention. And I was looking, he was to my right and he was, um, he was more observing. He wasn't you know, there, he wasn't holding a sign or anything. And he was carrying white five gallon buckets. So he was super suspicious. No, no doubt. And then I get home. This is like five hours, not maybe four, four, three or four hours later, I get home, I'm watching CNN and it says riots break out in Pittsburgh, property being destroyed, uh, the Lemieux monument Mm -hmm. defaced. And it was that guy. He was, Jordan Bartles. He was. I was standing right next to him. How weird is that? Think about how the power of one what one person can do to, and there might have been other people working with him or maybe not working with him, Mm -hmm. but one person can really turn something beautiful, organic, and beautiful into into an optic that just terrifies half the country. We were experiencing the same thing. Jordan was right next to me, listening to those people sing that song. Mm-hmm. And feeling those feelings, the pain, mm-hmm. the love, the comfort, the unity. And he was, he still had an agenda. And he sure. was like, I'm going to destroy this. And that, I mean, I can't even understand that. I, I, so let me ask you this crazy question. So obviously he's been, um, brainwashed is a funny word, but he's been obviously, he's decided, let's not take the personal responsibility out of the equation. He has decided to believe a certain mantra or this section of beliefs that are destructive. How is he any different than the, I don't know, than the people that drove the plane into the World Trade Center? I don't know. They both believed a perverted, one was a perverted version of Islam, and this this one's got some kind of destructive belief that he has, and he went out to carry it. Destructive, yeah. He could have killed people. Yeah. There's no question. He had five-gallon buckets of gasoline. <clears throat> yeah, he wasn't out to, to be nice to anybody, you know? Right, right. I, I don't, I can't relate to that, so I have no idea where his logic was or his pathology of thinking mm-hmm. or arriving to a certain belief, so I have no idea. 
you think there's really that much more anger in our youth than there was in, in your generation, in my generation, generations before? Or do you think there's just social media that just um, amplifies everything? It's just amplified. I think it's been around because we had mm. to learn it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and then what happens is it gets, that amplification gets co-opted by media. And then the story becomes that the world's just so bad. And, you know, I think we have hot spots of crime in this country. I mean, it's, it's horrible what's going on in Chicago, the amount of murders daily. But, but that's been going on for a long time. They were, they, you know, I, I, hear, I heard it from my grandmother who lived in Chicago as a nurse for you know, when the mafia was doing dry, and they didn't even know, actually know how many people died daily. The violence has always been yeah. in that area. I mean, and, there's always been violence, yeah. I feel. It's, it's almost normalized, unfortunately. It's just violent. Or we're getting numb. Yeah, desensitized. I'm, I'm very desensitized to a lot of things, which is unfortunate. It's a shame. Yeah, but I have to be. Otherwise, I'm going to be crying every day over what's happening that's a good point that's a good yeah. point too i think yeah we probably all have become a, a period of desensitized i have so for me i have a i have five kids of a, a three stepchildren who are pretty much a little older but i have a a 19 year old and a 17 year old and the 17 year old you know i worry about her just going through this pandemic and I, every night i take her out to wendy's like while while the pandemic was going on she was kind of staying with us and and just trying to pick her brain, like what is going on in this seventeen-year-old girl's brain, because the world is shut down, mm-hmm. and trying to see things from her standpoint, you know. And it was yeah. really hard as a dad, and it was hard as an older person to really look at things that way. But I couldn't imagine. I think back when I was seventeen, how would I have dealt with that? I would have dealt with it, but how would I have dealt with it? You know, well, it would different. have been different too, because you didn't have social media back then. Exactly. Right? So it's like even I'm out of touch with 17 year olds. My brother is 16. Yeah. And I mean, he seemed fine. I mean, their lives didn't really. I mean, I don't know her life, but his life didn't really change. It was kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm just doing school from home now. You know, I have. Same. I'm going to the park. I'm hanging out. You know. Yeah. She, she she goes to the gym a lot. So yeah. That, that's changed. But and then she could. I think the big thing was for weeks they couldn't see their friends. Their friends. Oh, were that's all true. Yeah. So, we're all stuck with. Well, I live so by myself. So she went and stayed with yeah. dad for a couple of days because there was nothing else to do. I guess. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and she got she got free Wendy's at night. You know, I guess yeah. that was the thing. But, um, I just it, that whole that whole thing of of of. of you know, amplifying the bad, it's the, it, it's only going to get worse. You would think it would get better. I really hope it would not. take a tidal shift. We would need a tidal event for things to because because they're the more we communicate. Would you not agree? The more we communicate, and the more the expectation. You're talking about clients being upset that you can't get back to them in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have them too, and it's and you, and you, you know you try. Mm-hmm. But is it really a healthy way for us to live? You know, um, like the, it depends the immediacy on, of it all? It depends on your bandwidth, on t- the type of person you are. I mean, I can handle like people you know, hammering me all day. You know, I can handle that up to a certain point. Okay, but you have your point. Mm-hmm. I have my limit. Um, it's definitely grown over time because yeah. I'm used to it. I've yeah, become yeah. desensitized. And I'm like, that's okay. I don't sweat this. I'm very efficient on, on my advice now because a lot of people have the same questions. Right. Um, and I have a relationship too with the people trying to talk to me, so I set expectations with them. I think that's important. Very, it it saves me a lot of trouble. And, and outside of real estate, just in life in general, yeah. I, and maybe and maybe that's where we're failing as a society is we're just not 
when we start a relationship or during, even during a relationship, I think it's imperative to set realistic expectations. Absolutely. But that comes with experience. You have to have Mm -hmm. a bunch of shitty experiences, depending on how hard-headed you are, on what to do next and what not to do next. That's what at least Mm. I learned by trial and error, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to pay attention, too. You can go through a lot of experience in life, and if you're not paying attention, you can't learn from it. Yeah. If you don't learn, then you're just, you're going to be miserable. Do you see how she changed the entire alien question? She went to guitars, which she knew. I just dive right in there, and then we went back <laughs> back to social media. We could talk about aliens, but, but we but, but we went to the alien question. You know, we I, I've had alien experts on here too. It's, it's part of what we do here. But we went there on the radio show, and you laid down these crazy alien conspiracy theories, and then talked about Fallout Boy, and then like just left. <laughs> and I turned and I went, came back from a commercial. Like, wait a second, yeah. where where are? I mean, we? I'm and random. Matt, my producer yeah. was like, "Dude, I don't even know what happened in the past twenty minutes." <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's how my brain is. I go in nine different directions all day long. Yeah, that's but with a young so so being that's the way it is. Um, being a young female entrepreneur in a career that you pretty much single-handedly take care of everything in the workflow. Would yeah. you not agree? I mean, yeah. it's all-encompassing Yes. in the way you choose to do business. Mm-hmm. That is a different kind of entrepreneurship than what a lot of other people do. Would you not agree? Yeah. It's, it's, real estate has its own unique uh, workflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not like a building. I'm not where someone like visits. Like I go to everyone and I have to, like today, I had to go make sure the carpet installers could get in and then I had to go get a lockbox off something else and then I had to go put a key on the new listing and a lot like, of logistics yeah. and for her a lot of driving because so her, much she she sells everywhere but she jockeys between the Robinson Township suburb of Pittsburgh all the way up to Newcastle mm-hmm. and everything in between it's like my normalcy though like people are like oh really I'm like yeah is the driving <laughs> cathartic for you sometimes I get a lot of speeding tickets <laughs> I'm fire. It's like have, cathartic for your your wallet. <laughs> no, or my my license. I have. Um, I'm filing an appeal in a couple of weeks, uh-huh. strategically, so I can fight. I was quarantined. I got tested for COVID, and I couldn't go to my uh, court hearing, but I forgot to call them. So, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you you're I'm too not, organized. For I'm that. not wrong, am I? I mean, it was on my fridge. I forgot. On your fridge. <laughs> it wasn't in your planner. It's just a ticket. I'm, I'm bad at planners, so everything I do is in my mind. Like I, See, I, I, I memory. do that. That's a dangerous way to go. And trust me, the older you get, the brain is not as sharp. I could run that way mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. Pretty efficiently. Yeah. And then I find myself like, ooh, you know, like I was supposed to do that today. Cool. Okay. That I mean, it has changed a little bit over time. I did like some days I'll wake up and I'll be like, what day is it? I can't remember what day it is. And I'm like, wait, who am I meeting today? So you don't have that written down. They make Google calendars and Apple calendars. Well, it comes to me. I'm like, my brain's like, it's like a microwave. It doesn't always work that way. It's got to heat up. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) That's a good one. Your brain's like a microwave. Yeah, I got to turn it off. So when my alarm goes off in my bed, I'm like, before my eyes are even open, I'm thinking. And it's just like, okay, the microwave's on. It's warming up. Okay. um, What day is it today? (laughs) Tuesday? All right. That means this happens. Bam. All right. So my days, I remember now. It's like a catalyst, yeah, a web. To, it has to warm up. Mm-hmm. I do write some stuff down, but it's not in an organized planner. It's like 
you know, it's written on a white random envelope on my counter. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm doing. All right, I got it. And you can make that work. It has worked for years. <laughs> I'm going to probably say it probably will work for many more years. No. There's going to become a time where it's not going to work. I'm yes. assuring you. Because everyone older than me, like 10, 20 years, they're very organized and they have their planner and they have this. And I'm like, I will get there, but I'm yeah, not. I'm not all that. I'm getting better. But it's only out of necessity now. Yeah. I just cannot remember. There's I'll no set way. alarms. Like I'll, if I need to call somebody, I'll yeah. say, hey, Siri, set this alarm for 5 p.m. and then label it. And I'll use my calendar sometimes, but I'm not consistent. Like we have so much technology at our disposal. It's almost yeah. like, how can we not be? Yeah. And then no. I'm reminded throughout the day of like what I'm doing. And now, does, now let me ask you a question. So that, that non-organization mm -hmm. in your daily workflow, does that speak to, because I think it does with humans, but let me see what you say. Mm -hmm. Does that speak to personality type? Yeah. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I know, flying I by the seat of your pants. Always. Yes, I get, I get a little bit of that. I ran a whole, oh man, in a former life, I ran a whole business that way, mm -hmm. which was just not the way to do it. But it worked. Mm -hmm. It wasn't optimized. It could have been better. Yeah, sure. But I kind of like, you know, enjoyed the fact that I would make a plan and fly, fly to, uh, you know, everything was just hodgepodge. I, I had fly to Chicago and... Yeah, I'll print that boarding pass out. I think I had the flights at eight. I got to be there by seven. You know, I think, and it, it, I'm always thinking that that's how things are. Uh huh. And life did not run real smooth doing that. Well, that's <laughs> it. Well, like today, for instance, I didn't write down anything I did, and I had to do things in a certain sequential order for it to work today, and it did. It was like I woke up, I had to go to the house. But I had to get the key first to get to the house, you know, to go disarm the alarm. And then I had to go to a different, which is another, you know, go across town, different house. Right. Get the lockbox. Right. Go to the office, get the key from someone's desk. And if I didn't get that lockbox first or if I forgot a key or didn't place a different key, like everything would have toppled. And then I right. went to Pittsburgh. I had to put the lockbox on the house. Like it was stupid shit, but it was like it had to be done and I could not miss. But then I had to pack for myself like today. Like, I'm coming here, and then I have showings scheduled after this, right. and then I am going uh, to my friend's marketing company, and I'm shooting a video for them, right. and then I'm going to the gym, so I have to bring different outfits. And then well, I it sounds like it's organized. It's like in my head. Nothing's written. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous equation. That's a dangerous equation. So if if I skip one thing, you know, if I forget it, it could... It's fine. What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you as a realtor? I probably try to suppress that memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least that's honest. Um, what's kind of embarrassing? If I look stupid, if I forget someone's name, or if I say some weird shit, like if my if I get too comfortable and my real humor comes out, that could be embarrassing. Or if like a guy will like hit on me, it's kind of like weird. Or if someone tries to set me up with their son or something, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just here to sell your house, lady. And, and I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, it's great, you know? <laughs> like, that stuff will make me feel uncomfortable, you I know? Bet, I'll yeah. be like, mm. Yeah, or bet. I'll have to get back to you on that. Like, one time I was showing a house and I opened the door and a man was sleeping in his bed. Like, that's weird. That's a little weird. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. It's a little weird. Yeah. So he just forgot, obviously, because he wasn't writing things down. <laughs> <laughs> 
say as you get older, something like that's going to happen to you because yeah. you're not writing anything down. I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, just keep, go ahead. Do you ever leave, lose a key? I think so, but I just, I think, I don't think, I don't know. Have yeah, I? I don't know. Wow. See, look how bad my memory is. See? Yeah. <laughs> like I lost the I, first client I ever had. Michael I will tell you this. Uh, nine. Look, this is the truth. It's embarrassing, but you'll, I, you need to laugh. You deserve a laugh, right? Okay. I started Howard Hannon, the first client I ever got, never bought from me, but I showed them 92 homes. 90 so like at 60 you were like i'm just gonna keep going well i did i didn't have any closings for almost the first like eight months of mine was six months yeah then they just came like a windfall but i had nothing else to do Mm -hmm. and i just said well i got nothing else to do and they were nice enough people we young couple i was Mm -hmm. still learning what i was doing 92 homes did they buy no they moved to ohio (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't. I talk about the ultimate insult, but in <sighs> one of the very last homes, it was snowing, and I remember they wanted to see the back how, the backyard, and I pulled the key out of the door, walked around the side of the house, and somewhere between the front of the house and the back of the house, I had dropped the key in the snow. Oh. Yeah. So I had that embarrassing call to the listing agent, who then didn't want to handle it, and sent me to the owner. And then agreed to, to have a locksmith come, and I I would do anything just to save the humiliation. Of course, yeah. Like one of those really awkward moments, and you usually don't get that fluster. But wow, it was I remember that one sticks. Yeah, that one sticks. I think the uh, the embarrassment comes from like someone like yelling at me, and I feel like when I was oh really yeah. So it was at a closing table, and it was like oh, my first closing. So I really, you don't know, it's so intricate. You really don't know what's going on. <laughs> when you when you're new agent, yeah, I was just hoping to get to the end of the meeting. Yeah, and <laughs> and I would be so nervous at the closing table, and I'd be like, please don't ask me any questions. Please don't ask me any questions. <laughs> I think all agents go through that. Yeah, and this one lady was such a prick to me. She's another one. I remember. I'm gonna look her name up, and she was she was like the lender. She wasn't even. Okay. The buyer seller, I had the seller. He was a flipper, and I d- I forgot to bring the key to the closing table. Okay. And there were, she was like, "Yeah, go get the key in front of everyone." And I was like, "I'm gonna slap you." Wow, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's a little condescending. Yeah, she was just like a jerk because I was I was really like I looked really young when I was yeah. about twenty. You had that green kind of look. And I and I was innocent. Yeah, I had that green look. Like, yeah. okay, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know. <laughs> but now it's like I don't even get embarrassed really now. I just laugh it off. But that comes with years. Right. You know. Now I'm like, oh, it's funny, whatever. It's amazing too. Like when you first start, there's so many things that you think are just so like um, cataclysmic. Yeah. You know, and then you realize after a year, like, oh yeah, okay, I do it every day now. Right. <laughs> last year, last year, I had five terminations in one day, uh-huh. and I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that it didn't yeah. bother me, but of I was able did. to handle it. Right. <laughs> Which was. Pretty bad. And back then, you got one termination. You're like, you're like, wait a second. Yeah, you, just, like, you take it so oh personally. God. Yeah, it isn't about yeah. the money. You just take it personally. I'm like, sign it and let's move on. You know, now yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. let's go. We got things to do. <laughs> right. And that, and that I think kind of comes with sea legs too. The, the, the other thing too was that uh, coming from the the um, 
the Howard Hanna model was very formal. It's about as formal as you're going to get, probably with the big company, the big brokers. Yeah. So you you have that element of formality, and the the thing that I had determined when I took this job was, I've been running my own guitar business for all these years. There's not a formal thing in my body. I you know. So they didn't like my denim. They didn't like wearing me wearing a baseball cap. There was a lot of things about me mm-hmm. that didn't fit the model. Okay. And they made it, and, and some, for the most part, wonderful people. But there was a couple people there that made it known that this is not the Hannaway. So there was some awkwardness there. There was, you know, and again, nothing against the company at all. It's just I did, I wasn't a good fit for them. Yeah, I just wasn't a, Same a good. Same where I came from too. It was yeah. very informal. Like it was informal. I didn't have any formal training or anything like that. But they were so much older than me. When I first started, I was the like first hire on in years. I was the youngest person there twenty by twenty two right, years. Right. I'm twenty one. I'm unpolished. I'm coming from basically going to frat houses like every weekend. <laughs> you know. Now I'm like thrown into the professional world. You know. Right. So. They didn't like that I wore shorts. Right. That was a thing. There's a lot of gossipers there. Like, I was definitely changing. I was new, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't like the new. But we ended up getting a lot of advice from people. Mm-hmm. And it usually came from more experienced agents. And they were in a unique position to talk down to you. Yeah. <laughs> but they had no they had no power to to command you or instruct you to do anything or they could not make you do what they wanted to do. No. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Would you it not is. agree? It is. It's not traditional at all. No, it's sense. not traditional. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you and older agents, older in terms of experience, not age. Experience, really, I found, I found some wonderful ones, but I've also found a lot of them that really like to throw that experience card in your face. Yeah. It's unnecessary. It's weird. And it's still happening once in a while. I think we I mean I, I think we've been we've been around the block long enough, you know, and been doing this for eight years, you you, you nine almost. The thing is we get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's a good level of a successful experience. We can hold our own and probably have been for years, but you'll get once in a while that thirty or thirty five or forty year veteran of the business who wants to take you to task over the most remedial thing possible yeah. oh my god and there's this one agent i'm not going to name his name but he you can he, he doesn't I, i'd rather say it to their face i'm not gonna absolutely like, i know. get it i totally get it I totally get it. but these things i would say um he doesn't use a fax machine or he uses a fax oh, machine he yes. doesn't text and he doesn't use email yeah we may we be thinking of the same person yes yes I'm like, are you insane? Like, go retire. I just, as soon as I hear the word fax machine, and then I have these closing companies, all wonderful people, all kinds of closing company folks telling me, well, we still have to keep a fax machine because there's still elements of things that must be faxed and yada, 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 whatever. What needs to be faxed? I don't have a fax machine. Me either. I use my phone. PDF is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. I have to look up what that means. What's PDF mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't need to know. Those are mysteries <laughs> of the mind. So all I know what the acronym means and it works. Uh-huh. Yeah, but there's there is a lot of um do you think it's just fear of the web or do you think it's just the common unique personality or that common unique human trait that people are just afraid of change? People are afraid of change. You think I hate it. <laughs> well, yeah, now that you get established and you get set in your ways. Yeah. Well, you hate it because nothing's written down. If one person changes your schedule, you might miss three appointments a yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> I won't even know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not even. could happen. But, I mean, 
on how to do th- like okay so showing time oh what is that now you don't know showing time i know is? what it is it's so for, it only works new. for vacant well it only works for vacant properties right i have no idea because yeah. i okay, found so, out yesterday they have an online thing that's what i'm saying so mike said that it's free now it used to yeah. you used to have to pay well, now everyone, like certain agents, I'm getting requests for showings, but I'm not getting them because I don't check my showing time. That's a problem now. Yes. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm missing. Rec- like I had someone call me like, hey, did I get confirmed for an Oceanic Boulevard? I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't, mm. Did you text me? No, I sent it on showing time. I'm like, the instructions say to text me and I didn't mm. get you, give you a confirmation. Yeah, I so it's like yesterday. But, what, we're, what we're talking about for the audience is just there's a, uh, a third party scheduler that we're now we're using as realtors or we can use some do some don't some won't uh that helps our sellers coordinate schedule times well if the agent does isn't aware that that's being used that can be a little awkward yeah (laughs) yeah so um that's a prime example these are newer agents that that's all they know is showing time so I have to adapt. I'm not going to be that chick that says, I've been around 15 years and I've never <laughs> dealt with that. If I say that, I'm quitting that day because I'll be so embarrassed. But you know what's great about this business, too? And I, I find it funny. So I, I was doing a deal with an experienced agent, 40 plus years in the business, very successful in this area. And I did a deal. And as soon as I saw her name, I knew I was, gonna, I was in trouble. But I went out of my way to, to be kind. I just killed it with kindness, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the transaction, I actually carried. Um, I, we were at it. We were at the house that she was selling, and it was all done. And there were some garage things that she was that the seller had given her, and she had no way of getting them to their house. And I said, "Well, I'll take that for you." And she couldn't believe it because she's so used to being so heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. She said, "You're going to do that for me." I'm like, oh, "It's not a problem. It's on my way home." So I lifted these very heavy items, put them in my car, took them over there. Ever since then, she has been the. I I made a new friend, and that friend has been wonderful because it has turned into new business. Although it's a different broker, it has turned in it referrals, but it's also turned into uh, connections for vendors that I've needed. Wow! So you can get there. Yeah. But you got to take a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You can get there. I mean, you can turn a situation around. It's just you have it in you to. Do you want to spend the effort? Yeah. Do you have that ambition to do that? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, but you dig it though, right? I mean, it, this is, yeah. you seem pretty happy. Oh, I love real estate. I can't, it's my identity at this point. I don't know what else I would be doing if I didn't do it. Yeah. And for instance, during the quarantine when I wasn't allowed to do anything, I was like, what am I going to do? I know. We were all feeling that too. Going- do, you, do you, have you ever been asked by a client, like, as a, almost a litmus test, like, you know, what's your political affiliation before um, they hire you? Yeah, I stay ambiguous, or I, I read what they're... But you've been asked, though. Yeah, or I read what they are, and I, I'm a chameleon. Yeah. I don't tell them anything no, no, no. personal. What do they I, ask you, though? Do they, is, some, have you ever been approached as a... It's almost, you can tell it's a litmus test. It's never direct. It's it's like, how about this, or what do you think about that? Did you see this? And I already know, like... Where they're headed. Yeah. So I kind of can, if you're asking me that question, then the context clues just tell me what you believe in. But you see how screwed up that is? Now we're, now we are putting Well, that's the art of of negotiating. (sighs) To me, I mean, I have to be aware of where my counterpart is. Absolutely. And and it's part, I think that's part of being an informed agent too. Yeah. Doing your homework. But 
But I just find it ridiculous when it has to be a litmus test to get hired. That yeah. just, it's I don't, nuts to me. All my clients are really, like, they like me. They're very friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, I become friends with my clients, so no one's really, like, not worked with me because of my opinion on anything. They shouldn't. It yeah. should be irrelevant. It's more like a friendly experience, like, hey, nothing, how are you? It has nothing to you know? do with, with, with your transaction. No, we're, like, hanging out at someone else's house. Basically, that's, that's, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, but I, I just wondered if you experienced that because I know it's getting more costly. You know what? I did have a client once who was a racist, and I, I did stop him, and I said, I don't want to work with you mm-hmm. if you're going to say that language around me. Uh-huh. And he respected it, and he didn't talk like that around me. But I, I did. Um, he was talking about a certain location. And he was saying racial slurs, mm-hmm. and I said, "I don't, I don't take that." I said, "I don't." Yeah, I'm not. And this was like three years ago, and he was older, mm-hmm. and I didn't, and I, I definitely made it known how I felt. Mm-hmm. And he, he respected it. He did buy a house through me, but he knew where I stood and didn't speak like that. Because that buyer agency kind of ties you ties you to them too. Well, it's a two way street. You you need to have the ability yeah. to fire a client. You need Absolutely. to be able to do that. I did that recently. It was like the only client I've ever never wa- I didn't want to move forward with. And I I don't know if it's because like I did like I do like I'm not starving mm-hmm. so I don't have to take on yeah. anyone who's like Absolutely. a you know a shithead to me. But we were in we were standing in a house and he was he was already complaining when he called me. He's like none of these agents want to meet me in Newcastle. I have cash and I'm like all right if you want to see my house I'll show it to you. So he came with his wife and um we get to the house and it flooded right and he's like were you hiding this from me i said sir i said i'm not gonna waste my time yeah to spring on you uh, a flooded basement right so he he's like the pictures make this house look different i'm like well that's advertising you know and my you know, my photographer is great Right. You know, and but he nothing's just, ever look. Nothing can can look identical. It's three. Yeah. You can't do it. It's not. Yeah. So he just starts. Um, when you attack my character and my integrity, right. my reputation's all I have. Right. He mm. just infuriated me. I said, you know what? Now I can see why no one's meeting you. I said, this showing's over, and I have to go. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yeah, and because you're not going to talk to me that way. I'm not like. There's a certain level of respect required on both ends. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't. You know, you're not going to buy this house. Let's go. Yeah, and you have to be able to do that. Have mm-hmm. you ever been? Um, have you ever gone into an appointment that you felt uncomfortable? Oh yeah, and I ask that for because yeah. a female is going to face it much. More, there's a much more odds that you're going to face it than a male. Yeah, three times it happened three times. But then I started vetting people that I don't know who I'm meeting, mm-hmm. and people get offended. I said, send me send me a picture of your ID, and send me either a proof of funds letter from your bank or a pre-approval. So I know mm-hmm. someone else talked to you. Yeah. It matches your ID. I know who I'm meeting. Absolutely. And it gets rid of a lot of people. A lot of people are like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I don't know you. And, you know, I can do that now. But when I was new, I was jumping and, like, running to anyone who called me. And one time, it was a rental. This is back when I still did rentals in Newcastle. And a guy met me who I didn't even know his last name. He's like, hey, can you show me this house on Moody Avenue? I said, sure. So I go, and I I told my broker at the time, I was like, I don't feel, I don't know this guy. I don't feel comfortable. You come with me. She's like, sure. He comes with me. I jump out of his car and I go to meet this guy at the house. We walk in. I'm like, hi, Amanda, how are you? We're in the entryway. And he goes, did you come with that black car? 
I said, yeah, why? And he goes, you know what? I'm not interested in this house anymore. He's like, I'm going to go. I was like, okay, weird. You know, but he did make me feel very uncomfortable. Right. Like, why didn't you want to see the house? Because I came with somebody. It was very strange. Yeah, that, that was, was very strange. Yeah, that was the first time. The second time I was showing a guy and his, his girlfriend. Like, you think when the girls are like, you're like, okay. It's not always mm-hmm. true. Sometimes she's the accomplice. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was another rental, and he was very close to me the entire time. And it's kind of like, as a girl, you know what it's like when a guy's, like, creeping on you. Absolutely. And I felt weird. And I remember it was like, he's like, is it okay if I have a felony rape charge on my application? Wait. Yeah. He said that to you? Yeah. And I was like, I was, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, what? I'm in someone's house. Like, I don't, I don't carry, you know, I don't have any pepper spray on me. I'm like, what do I do? I hit him with my, with my key. There's a girl here. There's two of them. Are they going to kill me in the basement? You know, I don't know. So I immediately, my adrenaline starts going. I'm immediately uncomfortable. They can probably tell. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, that'll be fine. I'll talk to the landlord. You know, if you're probably fine now, you know, it's okay. And I just like wanted to get out of that situation. But I remember him being like so creepy. Mm -hmm. I could still see him in my, in my mind. And then I got out of that. And then there was a guy. Wow. Yeah, there was a guy who told me that um, he wanted me to be his agent to list his house in Hermitage, but he was a nudist and he had to be naked the entire you time. Be shitting no, me. you have to be shitting. He me. told me he's like, I have to be. He's like, I need a special agent because I am a nudist and I do not wear clothes. <laughs> so did you take the listing? No. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, and this was all via text. Like it was all, and he was going around asking a bunch of female agents to do this. It was just weird. No male agents. Just females. No, just females. Mm -hmm. And another guy, he wasted my time. I remember I got up so early to meet him and he met me at my office. He's like, yeah, I have this multi-unit in Elwood City. Like I want you to list it for me. And I was like, oh, great. You know, that's wonderful. He's like, yeah, maybe you can come down and see it sometime. I'm like, perfect. Yeah, let me know when. But no agreement was signed. He leaves. And then he just messages me back and goes, um, I just wanted to make sure you were as pretty as you were on Facebook, just in person. And yeah. So that was, he actually that was like the me- that? Yeah, that was like the meeting. I was like, you made me get out of bed for this. Like, and it wasn't even, but people are weird, you know, people say stuff and, but now I kind of, I can vet them out before it gets to that point, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm lucky that I don't deal with creepy people because I just shut them off. It's just like. I think agent safety is a big thing. And I think that's not, I don't think it's talked about enough. No, it's not. And and I've had um, issues with people, you know, trying to network. And they try to take advantage of me. Oh. oh, wait, wait. When you say network and try to take advantage, further explain, please. Um, I guess not take advantage, but they try to push the envelope. Like networking is not their pure intention. Mm-hmm. Like I coming down to the Pittsburgh market, you know, I, I wanted to make a name for myself, so I would go to every event. I'd just try to right. follow up with people, and some, you know, guys think that it's more than that. Mm-hmm. So there was this guy who I call him Carrot Wavers when they <laughs> when they they got the carrot like hey I got all these connections yeah. but you have to date me you know type thing and there was this guy who really pissed me off recently he was he bothered me 
what he said to me was just so rude. Um, he's like, I have, I handle all this money. He's a, a wealth advisor in Pittsburgh. And he's like, I handle all this money and my girl needs to liquidate and you're going to get all these acres and development opportunities and just like painting the picture. And I'm like, oh my God, that's great. I work so hard, like answering his calls on Saturday night. Like I'll go right up an agreement now for you. Like just jumping at it, you know, like I will do this, this, this. And then he started saying, well, are you going to come to Miami with me? Well, are you going to come over and drink wine with me? And like, like, no, like mm-hmm. it's, it's just people are very strange. Like it's just, and you have to vet those people out too. Like you have to be on guard as anyone like 24 seven with people. Females have it extra hard. In yeah. This business. They just do. With like new relationships. I'm, right. I said, I'm just trying to build a business relationship with yeah. you and you're yeah. making it weird. I said, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Right. And he's like, well, you just said, you, you should have just told me that. I said, it was very clear. <laughs> he <laughs> has to be told that's bad behavior. Yeah. I saw the text to that. That was a couple months ago. That was January. Yeah. Another problem too that I see, which is not of the sexual nature that drives me nuts is that people make appointments with me under false pretenses. So it doesn't happen much anymore because I can smell them out. But, mm-hmm. you know, or, or people will come to the open house when I used to run open houses and they'd pretend to be a buyer and they'd walk through the whole thing. And at the end, they would say, well, the real reason I'm here is I work for so-and-so lender company. Or the real reason I'm here is I have this, I just started my own inspection company and I figured open houses would be a good way. You want to choke them and say, look, you dumb mother effer. All you had to do was tell me this up front. I may probably have dismissed you right away. Yeah. But at least you would have had a fighting shot. Yeah. I will never utter your name ever in my business or in any other uh, agent's business. You're wow. done with me. See, they're coming, they, they come under false pretenses. Oh, yeah. They try to trick you. I don't Uh-oh. think anyone's done that to me. Open houses are one thing, but to, but to schedule a showing, and I that, that's a little bit like what you wow. guys, you ladies deal with on, you know, guys wanting to hit on you. Yeah. With us, it's they want us to use them as vendors, so they pretend, they masquerade. Oh, that's not cool. You're already lying. It's, it's The initial so, meeting's already a lie. Yeah, it happens more more times than you know. Oh, it's infuriating, yeah. So it's like, you know, we, you know, I guess overall is if the public really understood the ins and outs of what we do. Mm-hmm. They really understood it. Like the biggest misconception is that that if you don't have, you know, I don't do dual agency. I it, it's just my own thing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have both sides of the deal and you're you have, you know, and, and someone says, well, well, there's going to be a six percent commission on this property. You're making six percent of the sale price, and they begrudge you mm-hmm. at times. The yeah. public will begrudge you for what you earn. They somehow can't understand the system, how it works. And we have not been, how would I put it? We have not been very good at explaining that to the public. I'll break it down to, for them. Well, if, well we have yeah. to. Yeah, sure. But as a whole, though, there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion out They're there. They're like 6%? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> I work for that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, and it's just, I and, and I just... I didn't see with any career. I'm sure attorneys get this too. They're you know they're there's so much per hour to the average person. That's a lot of money mm-hmm. for some people. They really need attorney. If they might you know attorneys two hundred dollars an hour and they work three hours. That's six hundred dollars. They may make that in a week. Mm-hmm. They they're equating to their own circumstance. There's a lot yeah. of that going on too. And sometimes people would make me feel guilty, you know. And, and yeah, I'm past that point now. 
I don't. Yeah, I know what I'm worth. I know what I'm. My time is valuable. I'm an expert. You know, if I make you more money than you would have on your own selling your property, mm-hmm. then I deserve what you agreed to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. When I was younger, I sort I was. I felt a little bit guilty, but no, I work a lot. Yeah. I think you have to. And, then, and there's there's no successful agent out there. Would you agree that there, there anyone in this business period, even any of our surrounding vendors, our sphere, no one that's having success is getting it without putting the hours in? No. You have to. You have to. You have to do the work. It's like any other field. You have to work. And, mm-hmm. and, and success is directly correlated to effort. And if it's not, please tell me how to do that. <laughs> I, I, I agree with the same mentality. Success is, is directly correlated to how hard you work. Yeah. You know, talent is one thing. Yeah. But if you can outwork somebody, mm-hmm. you're usually going to be more successful than All and the usually, time. Usually, you know. All the time. Yeah, nothing's perfect. I didn't, like, I, I didn't have any guidance in real estate. I went to college, graduated with a degree in biology. I, had, I was the first one to graduate out of my family you know that's what we thought was supposed to happen right you know but really i just went and turned all the way left and, and i went yeah. to real estate and it, it worked out yep you know it, it's because i worked hard i didn't have a big family name right. i didn't have someone who owned you know a huge company in my town to get me all these leads or ins like yeah. i had to grind i was yeah. 21 yep. and i never bought a house myself I didn't buy my first house until I was 25 or 26. Right. So I had to work. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's – and I learned it decades ago when I started having some entrepreneurial success. And, and everybody, everybody would say this. This was a thing to say. Come on, man. Tell me the secret. Come on, man. Tell me the secret. Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to do. I, I don't want to go to my job. <clears throat> everybody wants to do it. Yeah. They want to know how to do it. And all I would ever say was – I get up every day, I buy and sell guitars all day, every day. If you do that, I think this could work for you. Yeah. I get up now and, and, and I, I introduce people to the services I do and I work with them to help them find homes they want to live in or mm-hmm. help them sell their property. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. If you do that, things will work out for you. That's all I can tell. That's the only advice I can give anymore. It, it's the truth. It's, because the public's, you know, they all want that quick fix. They see the lifestyle. They see the freedom. Or the perceived lifestyle for some. The perceived, yeah. yes. Yeah. And last year, I was being approached at least two people, two young people a week in my on Instagram. Hey, can you teach me about real estate? Can you teach me about real estate? And at, at first, I was very noble. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, I will. You know, <laughs> come on, let me take time out of my. Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah, let me take time out of my crazy ass life and foster you. You right. know, and Amen then and that. then they don't. They're like, wow, it's not that glamorous. No, it's hard. Well, yeah, of course, anything worthwhile takes effort, and that's yeah. just it, it is. It is the old school way of the harder you work, the more successful and the more luckier you become. Yeah, and now I'm like, you know what? I can't. I'm sorry, young sir young ma'am but i can't i don't have the wear like the bandwidth to do it anymore the patience of starting Mm -hmm. from one this Mm -hmm. is page one like i can't Mm -hmm. and then they don't appreciate it anyway so i have a good team now where they appreciate me but you have to i was just i was just meeting anybody who was new in the lender industry who was new i knew i was just trying to support everybody and be noble and be nice and it's just like at one point you have to be like i can't anymore you know. Let me ask this last question before we yeah. wrap up. Um, does 
I know my generation did not have a good grasp growing up of the concept of time. I don't mean esoteric, you know. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that the next time because <laughs> we didn't get there. She avoided the alien question twice. I did. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the, we did not have a good grasp of time and how it relates to success, meaning that we saw our parents and our grandparents working mills forever. We should have understood it. You know, Grandpa worked in the mill 45 years and did pretty well in retirement. That was a decent life for him. We wanted a, we wanted to go to the airport and make like $30 an hour. You know, I can just go get a job for $30 an hour at the airport. Guess what? didn't work that way. We didn't understand that you had to put time in. You had to work and effort. We, we figured it out, but it took us a while. Every generation that's come after me understands it less and less, in my opinion. Like that instant gratification thing, they, they think they can just instantly, not they, at times some younger folks believe they can just enter something and master it and make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you agree with that or don't you agree with it's that? It's a fantasy, but it, it definitely, it's so weird. It, it, it goes back to the social media thing too, where we're told that we can do anything that we want. And yes, that's a good ideology to have. You have to have relentless self-belief. Right. to become successful in conjunction with working hard. Right. But the idea, like you said, the concept of time mm -hmm. where it happens overnight or you're going to start being successful without any failures is not real. You're going to fail. Like that timing is everything. And, and you know, opportunity okay. meets preparedness. Timing right. is everything. Absolutely. But the idea that it's going to be quick, I mean, I feel like that's it could happen. You know, I can't discredit that, that there's not that slight chance that it's it might. Not a liar somewhere. Yeah. But it's, you've got to control it. You've got to create it. Your lifestyle has to change. Your mentality has to change. The way you deal with setbacks has to change. And the right. way you bounce back and how long you're going to dwell on that. You're going to care if someone talks shit on you. And you're going to care if you, maybe you do mess up. Or if this happens, like, the timing, experience. You know, there's so many factors to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. And I think that we're just... Um there's a we really are in love with fame and uh money That's of course not success we're in love with money because success comes a whole nother internal reward that i think comes is driven by hard work but money mm -hmm. that lust of money and that lust of sh the show mm -hmm. it, i think oftentimes resonates faster and quicker with young folks and it's young men really like that a lot of younger um guys that i hear talk it's very like so much their focal point it's it's uh the trinkets yeah it's like the culture almost it's like that's what they pursue it's just you know i mean it's i guess the, you guys you have like it cars clothing yeah jewelry. yeah women or objects <laughs> like who's mm -hmm. around them more money they have the better looking women they're gonna have around things like that like it's that's what i see so, so that's a gauge then of, of success then in their in their in their mind in their inexperience yeah. Meaning they have not had a lot of experience in right. life. So what to that up to that point, that's what they But that that's my perceived notion. I'm not a young man, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's what they think. You know, and I'm talking like early twenties. That demographic. That's kinda of sad in a way though, it, it, because I, I I look at that and elements of that is all have always been around. I was mm -hmm. the moron at 25 years old buying a Rolex watch when I could barely pay my rent because I thought that was something that the successful people around me was wearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, well, that people was, say that too. I, they say fake it till you make it. You know, you need to buy this well, Mercedes. I never believed so. that. Never believed that. I just wanted yeah. it because I thought that was important. I don't know if I was really trying to fake anything, but it was a big fakery. 
in yeah. the end. But you get past that, and, and the, the trinket yeah. stuff's around. And the older you get, the trinkets mean nothing. They don't. They mean nothing. I wish no one, like, social media gives me anxiety. Like, I hate, I like to post it sometimes. Like, I'll post something, and then I get cringed out, and I'm like, oh, I want to delete it. Like, it's just, like, so, yeah. you know. Well, and there's nothing wrong in this world with nice things. I mean, if you earn if you earn a great lifestyle and, and, and you want to reward yourself, mm-hmm. it's your money. You have the right to do it. Yeah. It's just that the work has to come before yeah. the spending or the money. And oh, I think yeah. that's changed a lot. We're not grasping that. I don't I Overall, don't no. No. They're pretty... Um, I mean, 20-year-olds are always careless, but they're... No matter what generation. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about this. Man, I'm 30 now. <laughs> oh, this is aging me. 30's nothing. I'm 30 as of 30. June 17th. I'm not okay with it. So... <laughs> 30 was a cakewalk. 30 was a little traumatizing as a male. Um, uh, as a female, too. I'm I got, traumatized. I got married for the first time when I was 30. Yeah, yeah. Nowhere near that. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'm I mean, running, like, marriage makes me feel old. Well, I was feeling old because at the time, for me, it was just the, the relatives were saying, where's the grandchildren? You're not even married. You know, because, again, it was a different time. Yeah. But they were like, you know, you're just going to keep running. And, and they were perceiving that I was, the, the perception was, that at, at 26, 27, 20, 29, that I was out every night partying and drunk with, with a harem of women. There was nothing remotely close to any of that, but that's what my family thought I was That's doing. what they think I'm Blow, doing. Yeah, blowing my life completely. <laughs> my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, even my mom and dad probably yeah. at the time were going, will you please settle down? I'm at home watching a baseball game <laughs> with a can of beer. You're, you think I got some kind of like jet set life. I'm going from club to club. I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I mean, wh- where's your mind at? I'm not ready. Uh, yeah, that expectation. This was a lot of fun. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. Yes. Did you? Uh huh. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get in there and just get things off and just shoot the shit. Yeah. But uh, I-, I asked Anna off off camera. There's been a couple people that have been on this show that I would love to have come back as a co-host. So yes. We can bring. I love to get people with different topics, and that's that. We haven't been real successful at it because of COVID yet. But the the plan for 19 or the plan for 20 was to take prior guests and mel- meld them with scientists or philosophers and really get a lot of different kind of takes on that subject. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to come back and do that stuff. Oh, yeah. Are we going to talk about physics? Because I love Physi- physics. We're, we're going to do physics. Okay. We, got, we, got, we, got, we have some folks from Duquesne and from CMU that are coming in. Oh, so. they can answer all my questions. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that can answer all of your questions. I have it. Listen, I want to make there's there has to be some type of radar repellent for speeding vehicles. And I know that if I mess around with physics as much as I did with real estate, I could figure it out. I think she's gotten too many tickets, right? They yeah, make, well, they make I have a radar need, detectors, right? You know, I need to repel the radar, I need to go under the radar. <laughs> So if I'm speeding, there has to that's be like Star Trek kind of yeah, shit you're talking about right there. <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna ask him. All right, well, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, we are out. Bye.